Welcome back to Ramplify, a student-centered podcast hosted by the Center for Career Equity, Development, and Success at Suffolk University. This podcast is produced to support the ways you think about, talk about, and engage with career readiness and career self-management. Hi, this is Jenny Joseph Hale, and I'm here with Jake, and we're going to talk about natural hair. Yes, we are. Let's jump in. Let's do this. This is an episode I've been eagerly, eagerly awaiting, Jenny, so I'm excited to be doing it with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We were going to talk about just our journey, but I, I think it's good to mention that natural hair has been a topic of conversation over the past year, two years maybe, in social media and talking about the professionalism of black hair and natural hair. And I think it's an interesting time to have this discussion because you know the questions of professionalism has been a hot topic. And it's funny that hair is one of those things that people are questioning, but also discovering that these are issues that are outside of ourselves. It has nothing to do with who we are as individuals. So let's talk about how hair and our individuality plays into that. Yeah. And and what you mentioned, you know, this is a conversation that has been going on for the last one or two years very publicly. Social conversation has been going on in black homes and black families for centuries, right? right. It's a conversation that's been happening amongst people of color specifically for centuries. Now is just the most recent iteration of the politicizing of, over-policing of black hair and black bodies, right? And so I'll speak from my own black experience and I recognize that there are non-black people of color who have very similar conversations within their families, within their friend groups, which in, within their circles as well. So mm-hmm. when I acknowledge that, if I'm leaving folks out, just know that I'm speaking from my experience today and my experience as a young black man, a professional with natural hair. I mean, from who can you speak from? You can only speak from yourself, not for everyone else. So your journey and my journey are different despite our similar styles, our similar ethnic backgrounds. Our journeys are still pretty different. So let's get into it. How'd you start? When did you start? Why did you start? You know, this is one of those episodes where, you know, we're not a visual podcast, right? So folks can't see me in all of my beauty. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm i someone who has dreadlocks and I've had dreadlocks since August 2019. Your baby. <laughs> yeah, still pretty new <laughs> in my journey. So just hit two years. Every year, every couple of months, whenever I really intentionally run my fingers through my hair, I remember why I decided to start wearing dreadlocks. And it was very intentional decision. And it wasn't one that I made quickly. Like it was one that took me a couple of years to even decide like, am I the kind of guy who would be rocking dreadlocks? Like, (laughs) would my parents be okay with that? Like, would my future employers be okay with that? And the fact that I had to consider so many different perspectives and aspects about literally changing my hairstyle was a lot to sit with. So why did I start my lock journey? I started it because my hair has always wanted to be locked up. It's always wanted to be in the style that I now wear proudly. The reason why I didn't do it since I was like eight, nine, ten years old is because there's also stigmas that I'm sure we'll get into today. But, you know, that's sort of been my journey. And you mentioned that I'm still a baby, still very early in my lock journey. Tell me about about yours, Jenny. How long have you been rocking locks? I've been locking since 
2001. Mm. I spent my 20s and most part of my 30s in California and locking just wasn't a big thing. People around me had their hair in dreads and I was not a hair person. I was not a girl who played with dolls, had siblings, played in their hair. I wasn't into all of that and come from a family who has a lot of hair. So learning how to do things like braiding and eventually the forced relaxing of your hair, the straight of your hair when you're a teenage girl. That wasn't my thing. Junior year of high school, I cut my hair off. I was rocking like a Grace Jones cut because mm. I just didn't know how to actually do anything with it. It just kept growing. So <laughs> 20 years ago when microbraiding was popular, I had this woman, she was from Senegal, and she took like four hours to braid my hair in those tiny braids. Guess what? They are hard to take out. They also take four hours to take out. And they were going to charge me to take them out. And so what I noticed was I left it alone. And I'm just like, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll cut it out. I'll figure what I'll do with it. And I noticed that one of my strands just locked together. And it just did it so effortlessly. My hair naturally is extremely coarse and curly and really tight coils. My family laugh at me that I leave DNA everywhere I go because mm. they're just like these tiny corkscrews, black corkscrews around the house. So the most natural thing I could think of doing was locking my hair. And from the first time it was done by someone, it just took to it naturally. And I didn't have to put a lot of product in it or do the things that people do with it now. It just happened and it grew and it was happy. My hair was happy. Yeah. And I mean, we both sort of mentioned that this is how our hair wanted to be. Like, right. And the fact that stigma exists around a hairstyle or a population of people's natural hair doing exactly what it wants to do. Right. When we talk about our hair being happy, like truly, I agree. My hair is its happiest right. when it's locked up in the ways that it is now. Right. Exactly. But the fact that this style is heavily politicized and there's lots of stigmas around it is just I was going to say it doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense. It's a product of white supremacy culture, of racism, of the Even colonization classism. of black bodies to mm -hmm. classism as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have discussions like this within our own community, even in the Caribbean, where you would think that locking your hair is something that's natural. It's something that you would do, but it's quite the opposite. Everyone wants their hair to be opposite of what their hair is naturally inclined to do. And so in the Caribbean, they want to follow popular culture. They want to be part of the dominant culture. And, and part of that is not to do anything that will call attention to you or will seem to be unprofessional, unkempt. I mean, when you're looking at hairstyles now, take a look at some of these artists, pop culture artists like Travis Scott and, and others who have their hair in plaits like these braids these small braids a long time ago like your mom wouldn't let you out the house with your hair like that like that's a in the home mm -hmm. type of hairstyle let alone being in front of millions of people performing for a concert right so that's the same perception with locks you know one of the first things my mom said was like oh so are you now a rastafarian and it's like oh do rastafarians are they the only ones that could have their hair locked like this that's not true but you're usually associated with being, you know, a Rasta or you're going against the grain, you're being political. I heard something else the other day. Oh, it's assumed as a woman that you have long locks that you most likely are homosexual. Mm. I heard that from a totally different article or something like that. And it was just like, what? Like, 
why are you in my hair? Yeah, <laughs> all these like perceptions and, <laughs> and stereotypes and ideas that people have and other things about other people's bodies aren't talked about in the same ways that black folks and, and folks of color's hair is talked about when it's in its natural state. Right. You bring up your mom too, right? You bring up family. And I think about my mom, when I was getting ready to start my own lock journey, I looked to my mom and I asked her some questions. I was like, you know, should I do this or not? And she flat out, she said, Jake, no, you shouldn't. You should not get dreadlocks. Now, this was wild to hear my mom say for two reasons. One, I was excited. I was getting ready to start a new journey. I was starting grad school, about to get these new blocks. So I was surprised that she wasn't supporting that. Secondly, she herself, Jenny, has dreadlocks. <laughs> so let's get into it. And she didn't do it from a place of disgust or anger. She did it from a place of fear. Concern. As a young professional, she was like, you know, Jake, you already have some tattoos. You already have this, that, and the other working against you. You're going to go ahead and put locks on your head. Like, are you going to be able to get a job? Are you going to be able to just be seen as a professional, right? And that's a very real concern. So I can't be upset with my mom. I can't be like, why aren't you supporting me? This, that, and the third. Because she's doing it from a place of love. She's giving me advice that she thinks is going to protect me. And I now live in Boston, which is where her father, my grandfather, lived and worked for some amount of time. And she heard all of these nightmare stories that he experienced decades and decades ago around racism and how whiteness is just overly dominant in a lot of the, especially higher education spaces within Boston. And she was fearful for me as someone who might one day live in Boston with dreadlocks. She was worried about what that would mean for me. Mm-hmm. These conversations are not just happening on CNN, in the news, in Congress, the Crown Act, right? right. Most recently. Yes. Right. So heavily politicized they're also happening in our homes, right? right? So these conversations are happening everywhere. I have a similar experience with my mother. I moved here in 2011. And mind you, I completed my undergrad. I had already been working with locks. And moving here, one of the first things my mother said was, you plan on cutting those, right? And it's like, what? Why? And she's like, Boston's a very conservative town. So you want to make sure that you're not causing any waves. You're not doing things that'll just call attention to you. I don't think that you can be in a professional space with your hair like that which obviously has not been correct, has not been my experience or my journey. I've worked in corporate America and been in boardrooms with my hair. Like, this is who I am. I came here with talent and skills and a professional. My hair is the least part of who you need to be concerned about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm here to do a job. So what does my hair have to do with it? Now, mind you, I may not have the most flashiest of, you know, I'm not walking around looking like The weekend. There seems to be a distinguished, acceptable style, maybe. But again, I'm just doing me. And I'm not sure if I've been accepted in dominant society because of that or in my professional organizations or anything like that. But I do recall walking into a meeting and someone was looking for me and they're like, which one's Jenny? And they're, oh, the girl with the really long braids. You can't see us. This is, again, not a visual podcast, but we both just rolled our (laughs) eyes. And Jenny, the thing is, I've experienced not the exact same thing that you go through. Like you mentioned in the beginning, we're different. Our experiences will be different. But I've experienced unsolicited advice, especially from non-black folks, white folks, folks who don't have dreadlocks on my quote unquote braids, they're different. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast and you yourself don't know the difference between the two, pause it. Go ahead and pause this episode. Do a Google Um, image search. Do not. (laughs) 
Do not reach out to one of your black friends and ask them. Instead, look up something online and then read multiple things because I'll tell you, you just go to a random Wikipedia or Reddit page, you might get wrong information. So listen to a podcast that is explaining the difference between braids and locks. Listen to someone who experiences this journey to explain the difference. It won't happen here. But (laughs) how does that make you feel? You know, when you get hit in the face with someone's ignorance and it's not always malicious, right? But why is my culture counterculture? Right. You get to benefit from, not you, Jenny, but you, hypothetical person with dominant identities, get to benefit from being the mainstream culture. You know, how do you respond to some of that that ignorance? I think in the beginning, I was a little bit defensive. I just thought that it wouldn't be cool for me to walk up to you and say, hey, are you a bottle blonde or natural? So I just wanted that same type of respect. Now, there are people who are curious, people who are around you who are just like, hey, you know, how does your hair do that? That's a more, it's a real question because this person is genuinely curious about how your hair does that? How does my hair coil and become one lock? That is interesting if you think about it. But to say things like, do you wash your hair? How often do you wash your hair? And when you wash it, does it become undone? Or your hair must collect a lot of dust and dirt. And I'm like, all hair is dirty. And there was a time that I wrapped my hair up. I used to wear like cloth and I would wrap up the whole thing. But that to me felt like my hair wasn't breathing. (laughs) And I just, I felt like I was doing that more for them instead of me, you know, just trying to prevent all the questions and curiosity and things like that. Now, the older I am, I'm just like, if you don't know by now, like, get away from me. <laughs> like, we have too much information and way too many people around us to have questions like this today. It doesn't make sense to me. So I feel now I'm just unbothered. I'm, I'm pretty much unbothered by it. You don't know how I wash my hair? Well, <laughs> I just shrugged. <laughs> I used to swim a lot and undergrad I swam for my junior and senior year and I used to be so upset of having to fit my hair into one of those swimming caps because I couldn't. My hair was too thick and it would never get in there. So I started just wearing it out and my coach was like, your hair is weighing you down. If you want to increase speed, you might need to like cut them off. And I'm like, again, someone's telling me what to do with my hair, you know? I'm thinking about how context is so important. Because you mentioned, yeah, it's fascinating how black hair works. It's also super fascinating because it's not mainstream culture. So if you're not a part of the culture, you likely don't know some of these things that, like, of course I know. Like, my mom has dreadlocks. She's had them for a while. I've asked her these questions in a place where it makes a lot of sense. Mother to son, son to mother. Context is important, though, because a question about how my hair works during a meeting, during a class. That's odd. It's odd, it's It's out of place, and it's not welcomed. If we are building some trust between each other as colleagues, if we are chatting casually, out for drinks, hanging out on the weekend, whatever, and you want to learn more about my culture, frame from a place of, I don't know, and I'm curious, rather than you as a black person have an obligation to tell me me. how your culture works, right? So, So context is so, yeah, right? This burden of education, this burden to teach people how how your culture works is a lot. It's tiring. (laughs) Okay, so you being a baby locker, (laughs) (laughs) youngin' in the game, what advice do you have for students and others about your hair, about your experience with locking? Yeah. You know, I think about this a lot. And I think about like what I would have wanted to hear when I was back and forth, literally all through undergrad, like, should I get locked? Should I not? I went to undergrad 
in a predominantly white small town after being born and raised in New York City. So I didn't have access to barbers who knew how to cut my hair. So my hair was growing and it was in many ways unruly by my own standards. And so I needed something that just felt more natural, felt more easy to maintain. So for me, I was back and forth, not just because of like, what's the stigma around, but also where's my access for getting people who know what they're doing to engage with the maintenance of my hair. What I wish I would have heard then was, Jake, it is okay to be unapologetically black. (laughs) And if part of the ways in which you demonstrate your unapologetic blackness is through your hair, go for it. I also needed to hear, you're going to face criticism that you've never faced before because of this, to you, small aspect of your identity, but to others, huge statement that you're making. And that's okay. So find the people who understand your experience and can support you through it. It won't be everyone. And it won't even be every person who has the same racial or ethnic background as you. But find the folks who are going to be able to support you. And be beautiful. Like, if you feel beautiful wearing dreadlocks, go get yourself some dreadlocks. Like, (laughs) why are you holding back? (laughs) So, I mean, those are some of the things that I would have liked to hear. Particular advice. I mean, if you're going to be a person who has dreadlocks, who has natural hair, it might behoove you to be prepared to talk about how your identities show up for you at work. It might also behoove you to think critically in advance what you're willing to discuss and disclose with people before it happens. Because the first time that someone says, tell me about your hair, you might feel obligated to tell them everything that they ask, but you are not obligated. The burden does not actually exist on you to educate people around you. It is perfectly acceptable to say, thank you so much for your curiosity. I don't have the capacity to educate you around this place of ignorance right now. However, there are resources online that you can engage with. <laughs> I have had to say something to that extent before. And so get ready, get prepared. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I would have to say. How about you, Jenny? How about you? <laughs> is that India Ari who says, I'm not my hair? Mm. It's, it's a great song and it it's, it's true. You're not your hair. Your hair is just an extension of you. So however way that you deem it fit to represent you, wear it. Sometimes there's prejudice amongst locked people, you know? There's sometimes people who color their locks, dye it, and then the ones who like never dye, like sometimes they have these little issues between themselves as if you're not a true locked person. Don't worry about all that. Just wear your hair as it is. And it's also a reminder that natural hair as a whole is a commitment to keep healthy and luscious. And <laughs> and uh, sometimes people think that, oh, it's just easier to relax my hair or, you know, put whatever chemical to make it all curly and stuff like that. But actually, it is pretty hard to maintain locks in your natural hair because we lose moisture. And depending on what region of the country you're in, you're more likely to experience a lot of dry, brittle ends. So I had to get educated on that, especially moving to the Northeast. The cold, the cold isn't really great for your hair. And the other thing is satin pillowcases. <laughs> mm. Oh, so we're really giving them the, the tip tips. Like these so, are the- <laughs> Yes, satin pillowcases or really soft, silky scarves because, you know, you can lose your edges. The tips of your mm. hair can break off. Things like that. Overly condition your hair. I didn't know that either. I enjoy going to the beach and I'm in the water, I'm in the pool. And so all of that affects your locks as well. So making sure that you're moisturizing your hair and your scalp, all of those things. But also transitioning from student to professional, making sure that you're making the right statement. 
And I, I think like this generation of students are in a much better place than we ever were in terms of our natural selves. I think we have allowed ourselves to embrace being natural and it's all over the place. And then as you transition from this like protective safe space of college, you move into the professional realm, it's important to bring that with you and remember that again, you're not your hair, but that whatever you're portraying, you're representing yourself. And if someone questions it, there are legal ramifications for that. So you among all the other younger people who have locks, I don't feel like the stigma is as strong as it used to be. And I'm happy for that. And I'm, I'm happy that a generation of people just kind of opened up the door, just like tattoos. I would say even 10 years ago, having a tattoo was a big deal. Having a sleeve was a big deal, right? And now like people are okay, because guess what? That did not affect productivity at all. So I think that's all I can give today. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Her. I mean, also a plug. NDRE, I am not my hair. I am not my skin. I am the soul that lives within. Yes. Come on. Like, if those lyrics don't speak to you, I don't know what will. <laughs> like, so yeah, I, I definitely vibe with a lot of what you're, what you're saying. And the thing is, Jenny, our conversation around our hair, your hair, my hair individually started before this podcast. It'll go on beyond this podcast. Absolutely. I do want to give a plug to folks who are uh, current students or alums or graduated students who are thinking through like, how does my hair, how does my natural hair affect my professional journey? And who can I talk to about this? For a lot of folks, you may not be able to speak with your family about that. Mm -hmm. However, and I won't say that everyone in the Career Center is equipped with the language and the lived experiences to support students through navigating these questions. However, I will volunteer myself to have conversations with folks around. We. We will have, a con <laughs> we will have these conversations with folks because it's so needed and it's a part of the, the professional development, right? right? When students decide, should I put my name as it's written in my birth certificate and the way that my parents write it on my resume or a different name? A lot of students have a similar experience with their hair. Should I continue to straighten my hair and relax my hair to conform to whiteness and white ways of being? Or should I do something new that I've been wanting to do for the last couple of years? Who can you ask these questions to? Um, if no one else, find Jake Small in the Career Center and we'll, we'll process through it together. Yeah, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. We are here for you and any questions you have, including where to go. Mm. Because Boston was not a place of like, find a great loctician. Okay. So I used to take that bus to New York. <laughs> Whenever I can, I take a short drive to New York City to let my mom run her fingers through my locks. And, you know, I beg her and I beg her and I say, mom, could you retwist? Could you tighten my locks for me? And if not, I have to take a trip out to, uh, where do I go? Out in Lynn? Somewhere over there to get my hair retwisted. And, nice. you know, but I had to find somewhere. Yes. I didn't just go to the closest barbershop that I could find to get my maintenance. I had yes. to find someone, a loctician. Mm -hmm. It's a beautician specifically for dreadlocks. So <laughs> if anyone's like, what's a loctician? Portmanteau, it, it makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to talk about or, you know, let our students know? You're beautiful. Oh, thank you. With your natural hair, with your brown skin, with all of the infinite wisdom that your culture equips you with. Your worth is inherent. Your beauty is 
immaculate um and you deserve to be your full self whatever that looks like i think those are my last that's, that's all i have to say that's a lot that is <laughs> a lot that felt like affirmations you might have to like write those down yeah i mean i wanted to hear just those words and so i think that's what i want to leave folks with today thank you thank you for that i appreciate this discussion and i hope our students do as well thanks Jenny. you're welcome have a great day Thanks so much for listening. As always, be sure to check out our website at suffolk.edu slash career center and follow us on social media at Suffolk underscore careers. The Suffolk University Career Center is hosting our spring 2022 career fair virtually. The event will take place on Handshake on March 1st, 2022 from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to register at suffolk.joinhandshake.com to see a list of attending employers across all industries. For more information on how to prepare for the fair, meet with a career advisor, or check out our programs and resources leading up to the event.